My Lord, every song had such a powerful message to it. Thankful that the word of the Lord is alive. It is quick and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Man, are you ready for a little more tonight? Let's go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. I will do my best to not be as lengthy as I was this morning. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, speaking of Elijah, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that Thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came again unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which it belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I command a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, 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 everything God said, read it. Behold, the widow woman was there. Gathering sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, a, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread. Or a morsel of bread in thine hand. And you know the rest of the story. That will suffice for my reading. I want to... I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight tonight about the most important place in the world. Amen. The most important place in the world. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is amazing to me how one word can change everything. Not only is it true in the life of everyday man, but it is true more so 
in the Word of God. An unexpected call, something that was unanticipated, and one word can change everything. And so I find throughout the Word of God, there are those signal moments. There are those those particular times when God speaks and when he speaks, you need to pay attention. You need to listen. And here in our text, there is just such a time. Ahab had ascended the throne of his father Omri and He had not been any better than his father. The Bible said that he followed the ways of Jeroboam who had caused Israel to sin worse than any other king. So there was an influence over Ahab's life that directed directed him down a path that was not pleasing to God. But Ahab was so intoxicated under the influence of doing things his own way, he didn't seem to care what might be the repercussions. And then one day out of nowhere, there is no previous mention of this this prophet Elijah. He just comes out of nowhere and he steps into the king's court, and he makes an announcement that changes everything. There will be no dew, there will be no rain until I say so. And then he disappears. And when he disappears, the Lord speaks to him and gives him instructions concerning his place and his purpose. More importantly than what God said to him was where God directed him. And the word of our text is what has inspired me today. For the scripture said, hence, get me hence and turn eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Everybody say there. There at that brook and there at that place. In essence, God was telling Elijah, don't worry about the drought. Don't worry about the food. Don't worry about yourself because I have you covered. The only caveat, the only catch to it though is, you better pay attention to what I'm telling you because my word is going to direct you where you need to be at every step of the way so that you will not lack in this season of drought. And so he gives him these clear instructions Get thee hence. I thought there was something about that that needed to be explored. And so I started going through reading different versions and translations and trying to get to the original root of the statement, get. 
And uh, I found out that in layman's terms, which I, I like because I understand them more clearly, it simply means get out of here as fast as you can and get there as quick as you can. Amen. Get out of here as fast as you can and get there as quick as you can. Because there is where my provision is for you. There is where I have appointed a divine intersection of nature so that you can be helped. Now, linguistically, the word there is a five-letter word often overlooked and, and skipped over in reading. It is simply an adverb of place. It indicates, though, a specific place. There is a particular place. But in God's economy, linguistics lose their hold and God's purpose gains control and the word becomes more than a five-letter adverb It is the substantial difference between dying and surviving. There. Everybody say there. The word indicates a situation that is of extraordinary importance. It is critical that you get there. It is important that you move now. Get out of here as fast as you can and get there as quick as you can. Because there, everybody say there. There was the difference between victory or defeat. There was the difference between survival and sinking, between famine or feasting, between blessing or curse. There was the most important place in Elijah's life. It may not have looked like much and you may not be able to understand how it's going to all transact and transpire, but God didn't ask you to understand him. He just asked you to obey him. Amen. There's a lot of things about God that I don't understand. And if I'm not careful, I can get into this argument with God trying to get him to give me a little advice as to why. I don't always need to know why. I just need to know now is the time to move and you need to get there as quick as you can because here is not the place to be. Amen. Amen. It tells me something that there is a place that God has designed me in any place in my life that I may be in that will help me survive whatever I'm having to go through. It tells us where God is going to show up. Is anybody here interested in where God's going to show up? Well, then we better start paying attention to what he's saying to us because God is speaking to us right now and sometimes we are not really listening. We don't get everything he said. And you can miss those little words every once in a while, like there. What did he say? Where did he say? 
there, the brook Cherith. That's the only place, Elijah, that you're going to survive what's about to come into the land. That's the only place that I have allocated my blessing. That's the only place I have put my provision. It's not going to be over there or over there or here or wherever. It's going to be there at that particular juncture, at that particular place. That's where the ravens are going to feed you. Now, ravens are not used to feeding people. They're used to feeding themselves. But when you're in God's steps, when you are living in sync with God's purpose for your life, God will take things and turn them to work for your good because you're in the right place and you're there at the right time because God has ordained that place for you to be in. Here's the key in our plans. We don't always want to be there. We like being here. Amen. We don't always like where God is trying to move us to. And so oftentimes we try to bargain with God. God, we're we're like Lot coming out of Sodom. We bargain with him. That mountain's too far. I don't want to have to go that far. It's a whole lot easier right over here. And God said, That's not where my blessing is going to be. You're going to eventually have to go there if you're going to get the blessings and the protection of God. Why do we spend so much of our time frustrating God's purpose when if we would just get up and obey, the windows of heaven would be open and God's blessings would be poured out. You see, it gives me an understanding of the direction in which God is moving. I don't know about you, but I am seriously interested in knowing where God is going to move. I I don't think you got that. I'm, I'm not here just to play church tonight. I'm not here just so we can have a place on a Sunday night because we don't have anything else to do. I'm here because I want to hear from God. I want God to speak to me because I want to know where the next step is. I want to know where that place of blessing is. I want to know where I need to be at the right moment. God has orchestrated so many things for us and I'm going to tell you what I sense tonight. I sense that there is a spirit of, of, uh, I I don't want to call it apathy, but there is a spirit of nonchalance that has come into us and we are not pursuing God with that, that sense of need and desperation like we did a few months ago when we were flooded. And we needed God to give us direction. We needed to know what's the next step. Do we tear a building down or do we just keep what we've got and live through whatever comes? And God gave us direction and there was, there was an intensity in our worship. There was an intensity in our prayer because God gave us direction. I'm still interested in wanting to know what God has next for Greater Life Church. And it's not just in that building over there. 
If you're waiting for that building to supply you with what you need, you're missing it all together. Right now, God is speaking. Right now, God is moving. Right now, God is working. Right now, God is a place for us to be. And we better listen and hear what his voice says so that we're at the right place at the right time. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. It was more than just an indication of a place. But everything hinges on that location. Something significant was tied to that brook that Elijah needed to know. God commanded the ravens to feed him there. God can use the most unusual source to supply your need when you're in the right place. Amen. Did you hear me tonight? God can use the most unlikely person, the most unlikely thing to fulfill the need in your life when you're more interested in obeying his word than you are in always understanding his word. And I'm not saying that we don't need to understand his word, but I have learned this much in my years of living for God that when God speaks sometimes, I think it thunders and somebody else thought it was lightning. But the voice of God is not always understood as it ought to be. And what I am hungry for tonight is an ear that can be so tuned to him that if he said, I need you to get over there, that's where I'm going as quick as I can get. If God said, I need you there, I want to get there as quick as I can get because there is where the blessing of God is going to be and there is where the provision of God is going to be found. Hallelujah. He said, I'm going to sustain you there. There, I'm going to sustain you. He was there. She was there. When he came into that place, the very thing that God said was going to happen came to pass. It's amazing what, what is fulfilled when we are willing to obey him. Who ever heard of being fed by a raven? Amen. You know, it's kind of like the old story about the guy that was in the flood And uh, water kept rising, kept rising. He got up in his second story area of the house and the water just kept rising. So he got up in the attic and the water kept rising. And finally he had to bust a hole in the roof and he's out on top of the roof. The rain's coming down. And he's praying, God, deliver me. I know God's going to send, God's going to send deliverance my way. And about that time, one of his neighbors floats by in a boat and said, Hey, Joe, can I help you? No, God's going to take care of me. A little while later, another neighbor floats by in a boat and said, Hey, Joe, you need a way out? No, God's got me covered. 
Rain kept coming down. Somebody else floats by. I said, hey, man, you need a ride? No, God's going to take care of me. Finally, the waters had risen to such a point that he couldn't climb any higher. And old Joe drowned. And he comes before the throne and he's got a question, God. I don't understand you all my life. I've believed in you all my life. I've trusted you all my life. I've prayed for you all my life. I have tried to serve you. And when I needed you in my most desperate moment, you didn't help me. What's up with that, God? God said, what do you mean I didn't help you? I sent three people by. But it wasn't the person you were looking for. Well, I don't want that person helping me. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. God may use some people to bless you that you may not want being used to bless you. But if you get in accordance with God's word, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It can come from a raven. But if it's from God, it will sustain me through whatever I'm going through. Come on, praise him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, there is the place of God's purpose. Everybody say God's purpose. My destiny is wrapped up in there, being there, wherever there is that God is directing me. Your place is ordained there. Your survival is is guaranteed there. But there's no promise for here. Amen. You ordained my future there. The reason for my life there. Your desire for me is there. What you have determined to bless me with is there. And it's my job to keep my ears open, listening to where there is so I can get there as quickly as I can. Can I pastor you a little bit right now? There's some people that are waiting around for a call. So they can be elevated to a place or they can be given a title. I'm not saying you, I'm just pastoring, all right? I'm just talking in generalities right now. But somebody approaches them about helping out with a nursery or helping out as a greeter or helping out in the Sunday school or being a parking lot attendant. Oh, no, that hurts my dignity. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on the pastor to call me. He's got an important place. I got a, I got a news flash for you tonight. You may be waiting for a long time for that call because God did not promise to bless you where I might put you, but he has promised to bless you where he puts you. 
And I've learned this a long time ago. I put people, I put square pegs in round holes and I put round pegs in square holes. And I got so frustrated in my early pastoral ministry because these people, you you ask them to do something, it was like pulling a fish out of water. They didn't know what to do. And and they were frustrated, and then they get angry at me and frustrated with me, and they they blame it on the church. And I learned this about God. God's not smarter than I am. He knows what I'm best at doing, and he knows where I will flourish the best, and he knows where he's got a place for me to serve. And you know what my job is? I need to get there as quick as I can. I need to get there as fast as I can because that's where God has promised provision. That's where God has promised his blessing. That's where God said, I'll sustain you. That's where God said, I will direct you from. Amen. Amen. God's purpose is there. God's power is there. No matter how... Uh, things are going, doesn't matter what's happening in your life. When you're there, God's power is present. Amen. And that means that nothing can harm you. That you're going to be blessed going in and blessed coming out. Amen. When you're there, you're going to find things there that's going to sustain you through whatever you've got to go through. And have you understood this about life yet? Life is going to put you through some things that's going to test your metal. It's going to test your faith. It's going to test your beliefs. It's going to test your willpower. It's going to test your spirit of worship. But if you're in the right place, if you're in the there of God's appointment, God said, I will sustain you there. I'll make sure there's a widow when you get there. How randomly could that have been that a man in another part of the country would start walking by foot and when he got to the city, there is this woman right Right there, it can only be a divine appointment. It can only be a God thing. It can only be God showing you what he's capable of doing when you obey him. Hallelujah. Come on, praise him right now. If God said there, you better get there as quick as you can. And there may be changing diapers in a nursery. There may be mopping a floor in a Sunday school office or a bathroom somewhere. Oh, Brother Hughes, that's not my calling. Let me tell you about callings. You don't get to pick how God uses you. That's an amazing thing. People come around the altar and they blubber and cry. Oh, God, use me. Oh, God, oh God, please let me be an instrument in your hand. I said, God said, okay. All right. I need somebody to mop the bathrooms. Oh, God, please use me. Oh, God, please give me a word. Please help me, God. I want to hear from you. God said, why don't you go visit those shut-ins? Why don't you go by and check on somebody that hadn't been in church lately? 
Oh, God, please use me. You see, we want to direct God's hand and how he wants to use us. And if we could ever understand that if we'll just let him use us, he'll always have us there at the right place, at the right moment, at the right time where the greatest things can happen in our life. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Somebody praise him right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better get there as quick as you can. I'm going to close. You may know what, you may know the what of life, but if you don't know the where, you're going to miss something extraordinary in your life. There, there, everybody say there. There in Scripture is the meeting place of the Most High. Anybody interested in meeting the Lord? Amen. There is the place of the quieting of the heart from stress and frustration. There in Scripture is the place of submitting to the will of God. There is the place of our making. I take you to the book of Genesis to a man that we are all familiar with. His name is Jacob. Jacob came into this world as a heel grabber, trying to get ahead of his brother, trying to get something that that was beyond his place. He deceived his brother, conned him out of the birthright, And then for the remaining years of his life, he ran from one place to the other, conniving, deceiving. God had a, God had a love for that man more than he had a love for Esau, his brother. Bible said it like this. God loved Jacob, but he hated Esau. That's a hard scripture to swallow. God, what do you mean Uh, you love Jacob? You love a conniver? You love a deceiver? You love a heel grabber? God said, no, you miss the point. You see, I see what you can't see. Esau doesn't seem to have the capacity to know what pleases me. But Jacob does. And so Jacob has run all of his life. And now he's getting toward the, the latter years of his life and his, his direction starts pointing him back toward home. Word comes to Esau, his brother, that Jacob is coming. And Esau, for whatever reason, is so overwhelmed to see his brother that had been lost from him for so many years that he sends presents ahead and a great caravan to come and meet Jacob and that scared Jacob out of his gourd. That's ahead if you don't know what that is. It scared him out of his mind. It terrified him so much that he started conniving again. And here's what I, I read it today and I thought, I didn't read that. I went back and read it again. I thought, I did read that. Esau sent him gifts 
But he was so afraid of his, his brother, what he was going to do to him. He thought it was all a trick. He repackaged. This is the first regifting I find in Scripture. He repackaged those gifts and he divided his band up. Go read it. It's in the book of Genesis. He took the very things that Esau had sent him, mixed it up with his own possessions and sent them in a caravan. Several of them lined up going to, trying to appease him. He's still conniving. He's still trying to get one up. And God said, you know what, Jacob, I'm tired of that. We're fixing to get rid of that. And so Jacob stays behind. And the Bible says that at the, at the Ford Jabbok, Someone came to visit him and all night long, the Bible said they wrestled. A man wrestled with him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was all alone by myself in the dark and somebody laid their hand on me, I promise you the fight would be on. It is my feelings, and this, there's nowhere I can prove it in Scripture, but it is my feelings that when Jacob first started fighting with this being, this man, this theophany, whatever, I believe he was fighting just out of sheer desperation to live. But the longer they struggle, now, Wrestling all night, that's a long time. Now, the night started when the sun went down. So that would be about 6 o'clock. And it didn't come back up until about 6 the next morning. Now, in my calculation, that's 12 hours. That's quite a wrestling match. But Jacob, somewhere along the line, must have understood this is not an enemy. This is not someone out to take my life. But there's something more going on. And now he's fighting not out of desperation, but out of desire. And finally the morning breaks and this man, this theophany says to him, let me go. The morning's breaking. And Jacob's response was what? I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he asked, what is your name? My name is Jacob, supplanter, deceiver, conniver. No more shall you be called Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And this is what the Bible said. And he blessed him there. You see, God had orchestrated in Jacob's life a rendezvous with destiny that was going to change his life forever. I'm going to work out of you, Jacob, that mess that's been in you all of your life. But the only way it's going to happen 
is if you are in the there of God's providing. You see, God will give us a there, a place where we can wrestle out and wrestle through to victory and get past things that have marked us and defined us and limited us and, and, and kept us from being all that we could be. There is a there, there is a divine appointed place where we can meet with God and God can help work out all of those kinks in our life so that we can be the prince and we can be the one that prevails and we can be the overcomer. Amen. The most important there of all though is found in the book of Revelation. And I'm closing Revelation chapter 21. You better make sure you get to this one. Amen. Revelation chapter 21. John gives us a glimpse into the future. The future heaven. The new Jerusalem. And he goes into great detail in describing this unbelievable place. The proportions. The dimensions the beauty, the majesty, the awe, splendor. He says things like, there, at that place, he will wipe all tears from your eyes. Amen. All tears. There will be no more need for tears in heaven. Amen. What a powerful What a powerful thing. I wish I could fully express that to you tonight because what I feel in my spirit is that God is trying to help me understand that he has designed a place if I will be faithful, if I will walk with him, if I will obey him. He has got a there like no other there that I will ever find in my life. And it is, I have to get there. I have to make it there because there, he said, there will be no context for tears any longer. Can you imagine a world where there is no reason for a tear to fall? He said, there will be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. Oh my, is there anybody hurting tonight? You be honest, physically you're hurting. He said, you gotta get there. You gotta make it there because there, there will be no more pain. No more heartbreak, no more heartache, no more disappointments, no more pain. There will be no more crying, neither shall there be any pain. For the former things, everything that we have known in this life, he said they're going to pass away. And behold, I make all things new. Right? For these words are true and faithful. And he said, it is done. Isn't it amazing that on Calvary, he said, it is finished. 
But he didn't get to say it is done until New Jerusalem had been fully prepared for his people. When it was all done and in place, he said, come on, folks. Come on home. It's done. It's finished. It's completed. Amen. He said, I'll give you of the fountain of the waters of life freely. They that overcome shall inherit all things. Then he names what will not be there. Fear will not be there. Unbelief will not be there. Abomination will not be there. Murderers will not be there. Whoremongers will not be there. Sorcerers will not be there. Idolaters will not. Liars will not be there. Oh, wouldn't you like to be in a place where there's none of that going on? He said all that's going to be there is the glory of God. His light is going to be so bright there will be no need of a sun. And then he describes the, 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 the structure of that new Jerusalem. It's, it's four square. It's as tall as it is wide and it's as deep as it is tall. There are 12 gates and there are 12 angels at the gates and the names that are written there the 12 foundations and he measures the gates and the length and the breadth and the height are 12,000 furlongs. I don't know how big that is, but that's pretty big to my estimation. The walls are 72 yards tall. Walls, Jasper, the city is pure gold. Foundations are garnished with all kinds of precious stones like jasper, sapphire, chalcedony, emerald and sardis and sardis and beryl and topaz and amethyst and so on. And then he said the gates are made of one pearl. You know what's going to be so beautiful about going into that city? Is that you're going to you're going you're to walk through the biggest irritation that has ever been overcome right into eternal bliss and happiness. And that pearl is going to be an eternal reminder of all that you have overcome to get where you are. I mean, it's a pretty big pearl that can make a gate 72 yards high. And he said, that's where I want you to get to. There. Amen. There. With all of the beauty and all of the glory and all of the majesty, he said, there's no need of the sun, neither the moon, for the glory of God will illuminate it. The gates shall not be shut. Why? Because there is no enemy. There is no enemy. And then he closes by saying, there shall be no night there. Amen. No night there. If you miss a there here, that's one thing. But we cannot afford to miss that there. Stand to your feet right now. I've got to make that one.
Amen. I've got to make that one. I want to go where the weary can cease from their troubles. The weary are at rest. I want to go where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more separation. There's no sea. You ever, you ever thought about the significance of John's statement that there's no more sea? For months, all he had seen was a sea that separated him from his beloved homeland. On the Isle of Patmos, all that he could see all around him was just sea and more sea and more sea separation and more separation and more separation more loneliness more pain more suffering more discouragement more disappointment but he said there's coming a day when God's going to wipe away that sea there'll be nothing between you and the things that you love amen The only place I know that's going to be is there. Amen. No wonder the songwriter said, I'm going up yonder. <laughs> Amen. How many of you are planning on going up yonder? Amen. I may miss a rendezvous point here on earth. I may miss something here in this life. In my carnality, I may miss something that God speaks to me at some point. But there's one thing I don't want to miss. There's one thing I better make sure that I hear. And that is that trumpet sound that calls me out of this world. I better make sure that I am watching and waiting. That I am anticipating that I am still looking for his return. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Where is God trying to get you to right now so that he can pour out his blessings in your life, so that he can eliminate the frustration? Stop worrying about what it looks like and just move into what God is directing you to. Don't worry about whether you're qualified or not. If God calls you, God qualifies you. He gives on-the-job training. Amen. But if you can get to the there of God's purpose in your life, you're going to find blessings and abundance and provision. You're going to find God's power. You're going to find the purpose. You're going to have a sense. This is, this is what, this is where I need to be. This is what I need to be doing. Amen. Come on with me right now, just for a few moments. Thank you, Lord. Help me to get to that place, that, uh, that divine appointment. Help me, Lord, to be sensitive enough to hear your voice. Help me to be sensitive enough, Lord, to know what you're saying and to know how to act upon what you're saying, God, that I am not, I am not going to let my carnal mind or my carnal nature cheat me out of the blessings of God that are there in that place of appointment. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
How's God going to do it at a brook? I don't know, but I know God can do it at a brook. God can do it with a widow. He can do it with a widow that only has a handful of meal and a little bit of oil. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on. Let's get ourselves in the place where we can hear the voice of God. Thank you, Jesus. God, speak to us tonight.